0: Contrast and compare. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. That's the hapless and anemic Merrick Garland, who's also very dangerous, reading from a teleprompter. This is from The Atlantic How the rosary became an extremist symbol. The AR-15 is a sacred object among Christian nationalists. Now radical traditional Catholics are bringing a sacrament of their own to the movement. One party member, Merrick Garland, reading from a teleprompter to defend FBI agents, Another member of the party, Daniel Paniton, at the Atlantic with rank bigotry against Catholics. And so what exactly is the through line here? It's this. Men who are godly men are the opposite of toxic. They are also not people on whom the party is going to get to step. And people are waking up to this. How do I know? Well, I'm looking at college enrollment numbers. Yes, there is a through line. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma technocrats and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. It is also one day until our friend Zach Abraham, my brother, Great uh, asset to this program. Zach Abraham does his free live webinar. It is tomorrow. It's 3 p.m. You can register at knowyourriskradio.com. And the only way to get in is to register, knowyourriskradio.com. This past weekend, I had dinner with, uh, well, no, it wasn't dinner. Yeah, I guess it was. It was early dinner uh, with two separate families. I was the only one there from my family. And I was sitting next to a guy who had his little girl on his knee. And man, she is a cute and smart and precious little girl. And all kids are precious to me. And his wife was seated across from him and their little boy. And you'd never, ever know that if that man had to, uh, he could kill all 15 men around him in a couple of seconds. Never know it because he's not going to broadcast it and because it's not called for, but God forbid, if he had to. And I know that if I was a woman, which is weird to think about, uh, I would look at a man like that and say, that is husband material because of the gentleness And the ability to not be gentle when gentle time is over. And that's a careful line to walk as a, as a discipled man of Christ, child of God, super careful line to walk. And it happens that my friend is, is a discipled man. Thank God. And there's nothing toxic. Uh, At the head of the table on accident, I, that he placed himself there is another young man who doesn't have the same training as as my other friend, who has as advanced <laughs> advanced military training. But I'm willing to bet that this young man who was so strong and so physically capable, if he had to, he could probably throw a couple guys across the room at once. You'd never know it. I mean, you could look at the guy and say, dude, he's ripped. But you'd never know that that exists. Because there he is with his little boy. Little boy, one years old, and his wife. And there is lion and there is lamb in both of these men. And in the Lord Jesus, there is lion and there is lamb. And the lion, the the, the judgment... The Lord is judgment. Jesus is the judge will return. That's who's coming back. Same, same person, if you will, same God, different roles. None of it toxic. None of it. There is just, as you know, been this insane insistence on this notion of toxic masculinity and the favoring of men like Merrick Garland, who hires other people to do his nasty work. And who is a behind the scenes. He's a, he's a paper-pushing version of a tyrannist. Paper-pushing bully. But there's been this concerted effort to make toxic masculinity and then to mask it as always toxic. Well, godly men are humble men. And this is something on which I need to work. Godly men are humble men. They recognize that what they have, they've been given. And what they've been given, they've been told to steward. And they recognize that they can't take a functional step uh, without God. God. And we all fail at this. And then we repent and we do better when we're on the right path. And godly men do not go out and seek violence and, and seek to have it. And if they are forced to use it, it's because of duty and honor. Um, And sacrifice and because they have promised and because they have been given a role in life of defending those who are weaker. And it might be that we defend our wife, who commonly is physically weaker, certainly our children, a man backed into a corner, a godly man backed into a corner. will sometimes have to employ that violence, but it has to be backed into a corner. And all this work to make toxic manhood, manliness. That's why the phrase toxic masculinity was created, to tie the two together. With no care to detail, what exactly is toxic masculinity? Yeah, you know what? Going around and sexualizing women and and catcalling and And commenting all the time on women's bodies. That's toxic behavior. Is it masculine? Is that a masculine behavior? I don't know. Not from where I sit. Seems a perverted behavior, but it doesn't seem masculine to me. Masculinity is quiet. Like guys going around. And I can remember being a kid who did it. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I can remember acting like absolute jackasses. When we were kids and, and trying to get in fights, like I'm, I'm not kidding, standing on a street corner in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho on Sherman and probably third as people were cruising, my friend, who's now a deputy sheriff and I literally trying to get in fights and count us lucky that we didn't just get, someone didn't come up and jump out and wipe the concrete with us. Probably because they're looking at that. Look at those drunk jackass kids thinking they're tough at the top of their lungs. Well, not quite at the top of the lungs, but by the grace of God. Don't get away with that stuff today because the other edge of pretend masculinity is someone who pops up with the pistol and takes you out that way and then there's no fight. But then we have Merrick Garland. And we have Chris Ray. And we have Tony Fauci. And we have paper-pushing bullies. And it's a pretty effective way to bully. If you think about it, because you never really have to have hands-on. And you can cloak it in law and order. And you can cloak it in saving others. And people are figuring this out. The college enrollment numbers are nose-diving. And what does that have to do with toxic masculinity? Well, everything. It has to do with the very idea of being a male to itself be toxic. It has to do with fake kabuki trials. It has to do with, with, with deriding any form of traditionalism. And, and people sense it, and then they move away from it. And it's not just men who are leaving college, but men are. It's far more likely now that a woman gets a college degree than a man. And the numbers are continuing to nosedive. And it's not, like I said, it's not just men. But you know what? Women need men. We are a heteronormative species. It's fascinating how heteronormative we are because if there's no heter- heteronormative sexual activity, there's no human species. It's funny how that works, isn't it? And yet, it's godly men who always somehow end up being called the toxic men. And it's true masculinity. That, that is always now derided as selfish, such as the work of men who work with their hands. Selfish. Logging is selfish. Farming is selfish. Ranching is selfish. Except that it feeds the world for now. But who wants to feed the world? Men like Merrick Garland. Who wants to control the food chain? Men like Merrick Garland, men like Bill Gates. Men who are paper pushing bullies want to control the food chain by taking the means of production and shifting it from the work of the hands of masculine men to laboratories from the fields that are actually additive. When you free range cattle, it's actually not just carbon neutral, it actually reduces carbon. And they want to shift it from that into these horrific factories that make fake meat in 137 steps away from what the food actually is. Masculinity can't happen in containers like that. It can't happen in, 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 in realms like that. I doubt that the, the food product itself can produce masculinity. And yet it's the farmers and the ranchers that are selfish. Look at all that land. Look at all that water they use and this will be the approach and people are figuring it out and look at the attacks look at where the attacks get aimed it's being aimed at catholics by the atlantic how the rosary became an extremist symbol to who see this is a form of making you now this 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 um, toxic catholicism I don't know how many Catholic people you know. I I know quite a few. And I have never met a Catholic who owns an AR-15. To my knowledge. Uh, In fact, I'm thinking, I don't think I know a Catholic who owns guns. Now, probably in this audience, you're probably saying, well, we haven't met. Man, I've got a bunch of ARs and I'm Catholic. Okay. The new radical... Traditional Catholics apparently have made the rosary a sacrament to the movement. The the, the rosary is is sacred in the Catholic church, but it's now an extremist symbol along with an AR-15. People are catching on to this. And they're catching on to the extremism of how the party casts men and women by default and and all around us, we're watching sort of this this it's almost a brain disease. It really is. And it goes from anemic and and frightened yet dangerous paper pushing bullies like the frighteningly pale and inept seeming Merrick Garland, who's very good at pushing papers. Um, to the highly egotistical man who defines sites itself, Tony Fauci, equally pale, I would add, and equally anemic seeming. Uh, it it goes from those guys to the to the Bill Gates, and I'm not trying to body shame. I don't I don't do that. I I everybody's the shape they are, and and it doesn't have anything to bear on who we are, except when you're Bill Gates and you are now trying to make yourself the new purveyor of what is healthy food. And you got a God forgive me, a a bad case of the moobs. And if I'm to believe that I can end up looking like Bill Gates, if I eat like Bill Gates, then maybe I don't want to eat like Bill Gates. And if you just look at this and you look at now, for instance, academia and what passes for research there, Let me start with this. This is a surprising piece of research. You remember when toxic masculinity was being tied to gym use? Do you remember this? This is recent. In fact, it's not just toxic masculinity. The um, Atlantic and, 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 and publications like that were tying gym use to terrorism and gym use is now Megaland, and guys who lift weights are likely to be domestic terrorists, and, and how domestic terrorists have consumed the fitness movement. There's all sorts of articles like this. How domestic terrorists have consumed the fitness movement, and why the gym might be the new place that, that that's the, the new terrorist movements are launched. Gyms. I, I spend a lot of time in gyms, and funny thing, I've never encountered someone coming to me and trying to talk to me about militias or about anything other than frankly lifting weights or sometimes our families. That's that's about it. And I spent a lot of time in gyms, but you notice how this is tied now to masculinity on the lion side. Because notice this, it's never toxic for a man to lay down. It's never toxic for a man to do what he's told when the party demands. It wears the mask. It injects its kids. It lets the party teach its kids to masturbate um, at the age of five. It lets the party teach its kids that if they have white skin, they're racist. It lets the party do what the party wants. Notice that that is not toxic when they do it. When it's the paper-pushing bullies of Merrick Garland and Tony Fauci and Bill Gates and Francis Collins Notice and and the, um, the, the figurehead, notice that that is not toxic when they say, we are going to force you to make a decision between working and getting injected with a a substance that may well kill you. Notice that that is not toxic and it's not even considered masculinity. In fact, it's neutered in form because of course you have people like Debbie Burks and Rochelle Walensky doing the same thing. But of course we can cross those lines. After all, men are women and women are men. But notice that's never bad when it comes from that perspective of forcing people to lay down and notice that passivity amongst men is never bad by the estimation of the party. Well, I mean, you've got Yvaldi. Okay, so you have Yvaldi, Texas, and at that point, passivity was bad because the cops didn't go in the room. That's the one occasion? Well, how did we end up there? With toxic masculinity. There is a study that, should, that shouldn't that should surprise people. I am going to take the analyst hat off and put the conspiracy theorist hat on. Ready? Then we'll get to this study. Have you noticed that the party does not want you to eat red meat if you're a man or if that for that matter a woman? Do you notice that the party is attacking weightlifting now as a, an activity of domestic terrorism? Did you notice that? Did you notice the attacks on the amount of protein we eat? I've seen constant articles about, oh, people are waiting, eating way too much protein. It's, it's screwed up the river systems. It's screwing up the oceans and, oh, Americans just consume way, way, way too much protein. No, we don't. Most Americans don't consume enough. But if you noticed all this, what happens when people eat less red meat and less protein and when people don't work with their hands and when people don't uh, continue to do weight-bearing exercises, what happens to a certain substance in your body? Testosterone, where does it go? (sighs) Down. Incidentally, what else is going down? Sperm counts? What else has been going down for decades? Testosterone in men has been bottoming out for decades. It's been nosediving. You look at the testosterone level of our grandfathers and great grandfathers, and they make us look like we're just, we, we, like we never got testosterone. Why is that? Why is it that the very thing that's labeled toxic, that is the masculine, the, 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 the side of men that can, in fact, jump up from a table and neutralize a room? If they have to, like I started the show with, if my friend had to do that, hey, honey, excuse me, daddy has to go kill 15 men because they're bad men and they're shooting the place up, God forbid. Why is it that that portion of who we are is what the party derides? Why is it that the new foods don't contain these substances? Why is it that soy is pushed so very, very constantly upon men? Why is that? I'm taking off the conspiratorial hat. I'm putting on the analyst hat, and I'm going to an article from Powerline blog. They did a study, and they took people's political views into account. And then they took people's testosterone levels into account. And then they compared the two. Golly, what do you think they found? Does anyone have a guess about what they found? Certainly you have a guess what they found, right? Now, this is not a clean transition. (laughs) That was accidental. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, It's not a clean transition. It is from masculinity to soap. Wait a minute. How is it not masculine to clean your body? I withdraw my objection. It's about Allen's soaps at Allen's, uh, it's allensoaps.com/ slash Todd Allen's artisan soaps. Do you know that with the new scents, you've got Applewood, you've got pure, which is scent free and you've got the classic scents. This is all something you can put into a small, a small business gift pack. And the way this happened is a business owner got in touch with Allen's soaps. And if you don't know the full story of Allen's artisan soaps, it's a company run by a guy named John. His son is Alan. Alan is deeply and, and, and dramatically impacted by autism and some structural health challenges. Uh, and it is John's desire that his son work. His son work with his hands. His son know what it is to put in a day's work and he does it. He's the chief soap officer because it's not just work he does physical. He helps create these scents because of the way his mind works. He has an incredible olfactory sense. That's why you'll get these these, these, uh, these, aromas of soap that you can't get anywhere else. So a business guy got in touch with Alan and said, hey, I love the mission. I love the soap. I love that you are showing that you can, in fact, employ people, not robots, and still make money. I want to give these things as gifts to my clients. So if you're in the sales business, or you're in a business where you interact with clients, say you you are someone who provides home cleaning services or tree cutting services, or something where you're in people's homes or you interact with them this way. There's a DIY gift pack that you can get with Allens, and then they get the story of Allens Artisan Soaps. And they understand who you are, how you value life. It comes with 24 bars of soap, your choice at 20% off includes 24 handcraft or hand stamped craft handle bags, 50 sheets of tissue paper. And at the checkout, and this is only at the checkout, you have the option to add 24 sisal pouches or soap racks, also at 20% off. Pop a business card into that. And when people get this and they understand that you are someone who backs life and backs companies like Allen's Artisan Soaps and who believes that young men like Allen, of course, their lives matter... They'll understand more about why they do business with you. It's com slash Todd. A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. There is a, a feature that Powerline does sometimes called the week in social science, and they pick this up. This is gorgeous. Uh, Stephen Hayward, Powerline blog. Given how the cultural left dislikes manliness as toxic masculinity, maybe we shouldn't be surprised to find some social science behind a wimpy liberalism. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism. Wimpy liberalism from the anemic, pale, and yet still very dangerous Merrick Garland, a paper pushing bully. The testo- testosterone administration induces <laughs> a red shift in Democrats. This is from Paul Zach Claremont graduate university abstract. We tested the uh, fixity. That's a great word. I love that word. We tested the fixity of political references, uh, preferences, pardon me, of 136 healthy males during the 2011 U S presidential election by administering synthetic testosterone or placebo to participants who had identified the strength of their political affiliations. Before the testosterone treatment, we found that weakly affiliated Democrats, that is Democrats who didn't have a strong attachment to the Democrat Party. Um, th- the, see We found that weakly affiliated Democrats had 19% higher basal testosterone than those who identified strongly with the Republican Party. When weekly affiliated Democrats received additional testosterone, the strength of their party fell, uh, party affiliation fell by 12% and they reported 45% warmer feelings toward Republican candidates for president. Our results demonstrate that testosterone induces a red shift among weekly affiliated Democrats. This effect was associated with improved mood. No effects were found if testosterone administration for strongly affiliated Democrats or strong or weak Republicans, our finding provides evidence that neuroactive hormones affect political preferences. So if you are someone who leans Democrat and you end up um, getting testosterone, synthetic testosterone, guess what happens to you? You start to identify as a Republican. Now why would that be? Well, you know me, I don't think there's that much difference between the party. Uh, The parties or the left and right versions of the party, but where there is, what are the classic Republican principles back when we had them? Hand up, not a handout, right? The right to self-defense, that's what the Second Amendment is, the right to self-defense, the right to fail. There is nothing more masculine than getting smacked upside the noggin and coming back for more. And I'm not talking about necessarily just in a violent case, but of course in violent sports. Wrestling is a violent sport. Football is a violent sport. You get knocked down and you come up. And those are the same sports that are derided. Those are the same sports that we're told our little boys shouldn't play. They should play soccer, where they kick a ball around where the target is the ball. I wonder what produces more testosterone. And I'm not here to say that... that, that, World-class soccer players don't have a lot of testosterone. They're incredible athletes. I'm just wondering which one produces more because I know what the answer is with weightlifting. I know that weightlifting creates testosterone, not just testosterone, but free testosterone. I'm taking off the analyst hat and I'm putting back on the conspiracy theory hat. Who's easier to rule? Who's easier to rule? People likely to vote Republican or people are likely to vote Democrat. Who's easier to rule? Well, let's think about that. When people were told, hey, see that piece of fabric, strap it to your mug and walk around with it all the time. Who did that mostly? Yeah, there were some Republicans who did it. There were some conservatives who did it. And I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet that those conservatives were absolutely weak-minded conservatives. Some people had to. Some people were conned into it. Some people were saying, I'm protecting my family. But most conservatives figured it out pretty quickly. This is a scam and a swindle, and I'm not going to do it. And when conservatives saw that the party leaders weren't doing it, the party bosses weren't doing it, I don't know a conservative who looked at that and said, hey, they're not doing it, but I'll do it. Now, granted, there's places like the separate country of Washington where if you didn't do it, your family didn't eat. I get that. But for the large part, who figured it out? Who put up a hand and said, no, you're not injecting my kid? Who did that? Who put up a hand and said, no, actually, I don't, uh, I don't buy the election results. I, I don't think it was on the up and up. I do think people, I, I, do, I do think the elections were rigged. Who's easier to rule? People with higher or lower testosterone. So that's the conspiracy theory hat, but it's also this major question I have. Why is it that all the fake meat? is going to drive testosterone down at the same time as they're driving down sperm counts. Now, we know what that one of their big goals is they want to eliminate 6 billion to 7 billion people. But they've said they want to do it equitably and slowly over time. Well, you know what? Driving down testosterone, making people so they can't have babies because you trans them, And driving down the sperm count, man, it's going to get there. You're going to end up with a lot fewer people, but you know what else you're going to end up with? A lot less life. And it's one more way that the party stands against God Almighty, who said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, awful transition here. Awful transition. I am just astounded. At this, this paper I talked about that is about this guy who decided to, and forgive the language, but he decided to masturbate while watching cartoons about boys. And he got to submit this as an academic paper. So I, I want to contrast and compare again. So that pay, I'll get to some details about this paper because other people are picking up on this and, and writing about it and, and casting about it. But I want to provide a contrast and compare. This is from uh, the uh, Spectatorworld.com. And it is about um, it is about the fact that the United States. Has forgotten how to make things. That, that we no longer know how to make things with our hands and what this means from a national security perspective. That we not being able to make stuff makes us dependent on nations that do know how to make things. And this is not a small bit of our economy. What we've seen as manufacturing has disappeared from the country, it's not just the jobs. I mean, the jobs are pronounced. We've seen, you know, something like a 30% decline in manufacturing jobs over a course of time. And what was President Trump bringing back? I didn't think it could be done because of the cost structure. But what did President Trump do? President Trump came in and changed the cost structure so that it made more sense to produce things here. How did he do that? With the tax rate. It's been cheaper for companies to use tax attorneys than to hire people. They hire tax attorneys to make sure they pay zero taxes by going offshore. President Trump said, hey, you know what? We're going to make it so you can afford to do business here by changing the taxation levels. You can bring manufacturing back. Then what do we bring back? You know what? Hey, if China won't make our cars, we will. If China won't make our, our, our pharmaceuticals, we will. If China won't make the important parts uh, for our, our infrastructure, fans and fan belts, we will. If China won't make our tractors, we will. That's national security. But what else is it? It's traditionally manly roles. It's working with our hands, which requires testosterone. It's all of those things that the party also doesn't want us to do. Because what did Joe Biden's people do? What did the people who run Joe Biden do with what President Trump did with tax rates? They're reversing it. They want a minimum tax. What does that do? Well, it means that countries that can run efficiently have no advantage over countries that run inefficiently. That's what it means. Because if there is a global minimum tax why would you ever be the country that runs efficiently? Why then would you bring manufacturing back to the United States when you pay so much less for labor in other countries because they care so much less about human rights because they're so much more tyrannical? But people are noticing and something's happening. As people leave college... And the monopoly system that exists, that you must have a college degree in order to operate in any form of professional capacity, which didn't used to be the case. That's a relatively new thing. People are going to need good work. And guess what? America, from a national security perspective, needs people who know how to work on things. That's comparison one the fact in this article in the spectator about the fact that we don't know how to make things anymore to this. And I am going to say a phrase. It's a filthy phrase. And it is an important phrase for this article. The great American and and please pardon me, please forgive me. The great academic circle jerk What their research project on masturbation tells us about the state of academia, and this is written by an academic, and this is one of the reasons why it is such good news to see the college attendance rates plummeting. In fact, in my opinion, it couldn't be better news. What a weird trick, guys, to raise your testosterone level. Lose unwanted fat true story. As you lose unwanted fat from your body and your body now becomes uh, from a perspective of muscle versus fat composition, you will produce more free testosterone in your body. And what that does is it makes it easier to keep weight off and easier to build muscle. A lot of fat storage in your body will just sap a lot of things. One of the things that it saps is testosterone. And when you have to eat to maintain a massive body size. So let's say you're like me, guys, I almost weighed 400 pounds. That, that, that's a lot for me. I'm sitting here at, um, I weighed in this morning at 211.5. Uh, by the way, I'm a pound and a half off already doing the soda protocol. And, um, and when I weighed almost 400 pounds, do you know the amount of food to eat? I had to eat to not feel hungry. You have to eat fats in massive amounts and carbs and massive amounts to maintain that because the fat on your body, it sucks energy too. And it sucks away testosterone. It really does. You know what else it does? It steals sleep. Hey, if you're carrying a lot of extra fat in your body, I'm here to tell you, you're not going to get great sleep because you can't, because you can't be comfortable, because you can't get good circulation, because you're going to end up snoring. Other things are craziness that are connected to this. One of the reasons that people who carry a lot of extra weight want foods like donuts and chips is because it is such a uh, concentrated form of flavor. Well, what are you talking about, Herman? I'm talking about the fat cells that park themselves up in your beak and make it hard for you to taste foods in the glorious way that God made them. There's so much. If I could fast forward for you, what it is to lose the unwanted fat around your body. I would fast forward something as simple as sitting down and having a cup of coffee with cream in it that you can actually taste. I would fast forward to waking up in the morning refreshed. I would fast forward to getting into bed with your wife without having to hear, honey, you're snoring. Do you hear that at night? I can remember my wife waking me up. Oh, you're snoring. I'm not. No, you are. You're snoring. And then I'll turn over. And I'm asleep for half an hour. Honey, you're snoring. It doesn't have to be this way. My friends at Soda Weight Loss stands for state-of-the-art. They're healthcare providers from way back. The business has grown largely by word of mouth. I know people who've lost 150 pounds. Kept it off because that's your design. It's sodaweightloss.com. S-O-T-A stands for state-of-the-art. Sodaweightloss.com. All right, this is this this uh, uh, insane a uh, piece of writing that's made it into and is going to make it into journals and incidentally incidentally now that we've discovered this and started to talk about this paper this guy wrote that is about him masturbating as he watches cartoons about boys th- th- it's not like you're going to stop publishing it but they've hidden it <laughs> why because normal people found it when normal people found this and said, this is an academic paper that the, 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 uh, they still intend to publish, but they don't want us to be able to read the abstract. So this is an article in, um, in Spiked Online written by an academic. Having worked in universities for nearly 20 years, it's clear to me just how broken academia is now. And no area is more broken than academic publishing. I first went to university as an adult and a mother having previously worked in factories and shops after leaving school at 16 with no qualifications. That's why she can smell this stuff. She didn't grow up with the party. I'm now a lecturer, an academic, and an ethnographic researcher. I've long suspected that academic publishing is not interested in promoting the best research by the best and brightest thinkers. Instead, it's now little more than a, and here's that phrase again, circle jerk of friends, colleagues, sycophants, backscratchers looking for promotions and new appointments. The suspicion was confirmed by last week's Twitter storm over an article published in the academic journal Qualitative Research. Oh, I guess it is published. The notorious article, the now notorious article is called, I am not alone. We are all alone. Using masturbation as an ethnographic method in research on Shota culture in Japan, published back in April, the article was written by Carl Anderson, a PhD candidate at the University of Manchester. Hey, what'd you do for your uh, for your for your uh, PhD thesis? I I I stayed home, watched cartoons of Japanese boys, and pleasured myself, and then I wrote about it. It uses a research methodology called. Autoethnography, a method that draws heavily on the researcher's own experiences. <laughs> ah, ah! That's not a research method. Oh, I love how they invent words whenever they want to. Autoethnography. I did some research. You know what? I found that liberals are stupid. How'd you figure that out? I walked around and looked at them. I said they're stupid. It's called autoethnography, a method that draws heavily on the researcher's own experience. Heavily. I often use ethnography to research working-class communities and class adva- disadvantages. For Anderson, however, his research amounted to him masturbating during lockdown to Japanese pornographic comic books. We're still the comics in question focus in most entirely on sexual relationships between pre-pubescent boys. Unsurprisingly, much of the world was shocked to learn that a university and an academic publication would sanction research that involved viewing and masturbating to such materials. For those of us who work in academia, it was an even bigger slap in the face. And the article continues, I encourage you to read the whole thing. That's not toxic. Huh. Huh. Staying home alone, isolated, watch or, read or watching comic book porn featuring relationships between prepubescent boys, sexually pleasuring yourself, and then writing about it, that's not toxic. Is it masculine? No. Does it sound like soy boy material? Yes. What were we just told? Over the past two years, what were boys told? Stay inside. Stay online. Confine your relationships to that. That guy's not alone. He just admits it. What are boys being taught about porn? It's natural and good. Is it reproductive? Nope. Is it heteronormative? Well, no. I mean, it's... Everyone's done it, but it's not heteronormative. It's not a heterosexual behavior. It crosses bounds. Does it add to the species? Nope. Does it follow the... God's... Command to us to be fruitful and multiply. Nope. Does it harm that process? Yes. People become addicted to that behavior and that's all they can do. Does it create permanent changes in minds? Yeah, it does. People who get porn addicted have permanent changes to the brain and they have to unwire it like any other addiction. But is it toxic? No. No. It's a different form of bullying. It's digital bullying. It's medicinal bullying, but it's bullying just the same. Which brings us to the happy moment. There is a through line with all of this. If we go back up to the top and we go back up to the anemic and ineffective and yet scary duplicitous paper bully. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. That wheezing man comes from academia. That wheezing man is a party member. This article, How the Rosary Became an Extremist Symbol by Daniel Pannington at the Atlantic. Academia and the Party the loss of jobs manufacturing jobs here came from academia and the party i have a book somewhere i'll have to go find from stanford university about how america would become a service economy and what that would mean and what a service economy would mean that was i read that book 25 years ago when i was being entrepreneurial and doing tech and all that so oh okay we're going to be a service economy that's how we make money and okay great let's let's go build service economy stuff They've seen this coming for a very long time. It came from academia and it came from the party. The desire that you eat bugs, which by the way, about 87% of bugs have parasites in it. Not, don't, don't let that stop you. Um, and that we eat bugs and that we eat soy and a whole bunch of soy and a whole bunch of food that is so processed that it is, it is literally like plastic surgery food. It's through so many steps, so far removed from what the nutrients is supposed to do, so far removed from whole food or or living food that it, it can't can't possibly nourish you in the way that God intended. I mean, think about this. If you went to a field of soybeans and were snacking on those, how many could you eat before you couldn't eat anymore? Like, I don't know, 50, 100? And what's packed up into the Gates burger? In all sorts of forms and oils and concentrates with a lot of other things. like For instance, sunflower oil. How many sunflower seeds can you truly eat? Well, how many can you consume in these burgers, etc.? That's academia. And what does it do? It's driving down testosterone. Who is Merrick Garland attacking? Anyone who doesn't lay down for the party? All of it has this through line of all these people have been indoctrinated through the one academy that exists because college is all one thing. It's all one vision. It's all one position with the notable exceptions of places like Hillsdale College. It's all one view. Ain't it though? And people are fleeing college. (laughs) And this is phenomenally good news as I see it. Again, uh, from powerline blog this john hinderacker nbc news reports that college attendance is dropping and they write it this way a little understood backlash and of course little understood by whom against higher education is driving an unprecedented decline in enrollment that experts now warn is likely to diminish people's quality of life and the nation's economic competitiveness especially in places where the slide is most severe Um, Our quality of life. Why Why would lack of college affect our quality of life? You can't be a computer coder without college? Sure you can. You can't build houses without college? Sure you can. You can't become an architect without college? Sure you can. It's called being an apprentice. Well, you certainly can't become a doctor without college. Sure you can. We did it for years. People apprenticed under other doctors. Well, not a surgeon. Sure you can. People did it for years under doctors. We can't be a lawyer. Sure you can. People apprenticed under years. Our greatest law minds, the greatest minds in law like Thomas Jefferson apprenticed. I've stood in the library where Jefferson, quote, read the law with an older man who taught him the law. There's a lot of ways to gain knowledge. Part of it is by working in a field around people who know what they're doing. And you you don't do the surgeries right away. You don't even get into the surgical room right away. Eventually you get into the surgery room and you watch countless, countless, countless surgeries. And then finally, one time the doctor turns to you and says, hey, you've seen me do this a bunch of times. I want you to open the chest. You've practiced on the balloon, right? You've practiced on the cadaver, right? Well, now it's your turn. You open the chest. We have so fetishized college, and they've been so successful at the monopoly in this that this is the only way you can get there. Now, if you want to go to college, God bless you, do it. But while we have college maintain the ideological kill shoot that it is, don't be surprised when your kids come out of college and they say, "Well, I, I, uh, I am afraid of toxic masculinity." Let you know, me address recent unfounded attacks on the. I, I, I want to address the, this the, the extremism of, uh, of the rosary, uh, and uh, I, I just I, I want my son to I want my son to play Nerf uh, Nerf frisbee because uh, Nerf Frisbee can't hurt another. Back to this article. There are 4 million fewer students in college now than there were 10 years ago. A full long, uh, pardon me, a full off, uh, gosh, I can't read. A fall off many observers blame on COVID-19. Ha, (laughs) ha, (laughs) ha. Yeah, you were told you didn't get to go to college unless you got injected. A dip in the number of Americans who are 18 and a strong labor market that is sucking young people straight into the workforce. And there it is. Straight into the workforce. Maybe they'll learn to make things again. But while the pandemic certainly made things worse, the downturns took hold well before it started. Demographics alone cannot explain this scale of drop. (laughs) You think that people are looking into the colleges and saying, I'm not going to pay you 60 grand a year to call me a racist. I'm not going to pay 60 grand a year for you to teach my kid that girls have penises. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be called toxically masculine. I'm not going to roll myself into a jackpot that I go to a college and some woman gets mad at me and I'm in a kangaroo court and I am tried and convicted before I can even have a defense. And I'm not saying that women go do this even, even most of the time, even, even some of the time, there's some women who do that, but that's what the college campuses have become. And so people are getting out. Hinderacker. So why the decline in, in, quote, higher education, rising costs fueled in large part by foolish government loan programs as an obviously major culprit. And those costs are running into growing doubts about the value of a degree. Plus the problem um, is that of the quality of instruction has slipped badly. Moreover, a large majority of jobs don't need a college degree. So if your motivation is financial, that is this for many people, the costs don't make sense. But I think he writes, the intolerant leftism that prevails in virtually all campuses is also an important part of the story. Yes, it is. And who are the people who are avoiding that? Who are the men who are avoiding that? There were men once who looked at giant mountains and all they had were these carts pulled by horses. And they looked up and they said, I bet if we go across those mountains, there's a bunch of, of land we could farm and man, it's going to be cold and we don't have REI and we don't have synthetic jackets. And we don't have layers upon layers and different sorts of fabrics. And it, it, we don't have that. We have layers and layers of cloth. We have no heat source to take with us. We'll have to make fires. We're going to have to pull this wagon because at some point it's going to be too steep for the horses that we may need to eat anyway. But I bet if we go across those mountains, I bet there's plains over the other side. And I bet we can mine there. And once upon a time, there were men. And they saw, the, as they called them, the Wasishu coming across their land, the white people. They actually, Wasishu, I think, means, what does it mean? A fat, stinky, I think. But they saw us coming across the land, and they said, who are these people? If we can trade with them, good, but we may need to war with them. I am not pining for the times of war. Because those same rough men who took their families up the mountains to the other side were the same rough men who also held their babies. And also cooed to them. And the same rough tribesmen who said, no, at this point it stops. We need to go to war with Wasishu. They're taking all our land. They also cooed their babies. They also watched with fascination and awe and gratitude as their little ones walked and talked and said the names of their loved ones for the first time. None of it was toxic. None of it was masculine. It was human The Lord Jesus is lion and lamb. God has expressed himself as the lamb, or pardon me, the lion of Judah. He expressed himself by sending his only son to die, to pay a debt none of us will ever be able to pay on our own. And when the Lord Jesus was born, I wonder if God the Father from on high Looked at his little one. Born through Mary. Saw his precious little form. As he cried in the manger. I wonder if God who knew what was coming. That same God, that same gentle God who sent manna from heaven. Who pursues us to this day to come back to the family. I wonder if he said, someday some men are going to nail my son to a tree because they refuse to listen. And I wonder if he had the cup of wrath ready. Because when he needs to, he does. We are multidimensional. Godly men restrain themselves until it's not time to be restrained. It's not toxic, it's human. And it's a characteristic given to us by God himself. This is the Todd Herman show. It is really, really helpful. When you use the share button to send shows to friends, particularly shows like this because I might be smoking my own weed in here, but I don't know a lot of talk shows that go that far on one topic. Now please go be well, be strong, be kind. And let's be thankful that God seems to be bringing even the necessity to work with hands back because there is no, no form of labor closer to that of God Almighty, in my opinion, than crafting things with the hands he gave us. I wish I had the talent.